Hi, Secreters. I'm coming to you in a state of mourning. I just got kicked out of the secret group uh, by George Ward, and, and I just thought I needed to take a moment to process it. Okay, well, so now we can really talk about what the proper theories and or where casks might be without getting ostracized. How's that feel? So welcome to The Secret Deciphered. <laughs> and if you're new here, awesome, welcome. This is where theories are explored and wondered and thought about and talked about because we respect everybody's research in history, okay? We want to be able to talk freely about where we think these casks are located. And we'd like to not feel stupid, ignorant, berated, belittled, or moronic all in the process. So welcome. This is a place for you. Um, I'm going to talk about, in this video, uh, shout out to Dawn, because Dawn Scoville, um, you know, and many others here talking about the possibility of the cask in other places in Florida, which I think is great. I have my own theories about certain places and I'm excited to talk about it because I think that it's kind of an unearthed gem, so to speak, if I can use that term, where we haven't really been able to freely talk about some of the other obvious clues in the book. So whenever we talk about Spanish La Florida, let's go back in time, okay? 1513, Ponce de Leon, his boat gets washed up there around St. Augustine, um, which now they're kind of saying it was probably around Port Canaveral, but whatever, right? <laughs> who, who actually looks at real facts? But anyways, I know, we're crazy. So, um... Walks, you know, walks up on the shore and then decides, oh, it's a pretty place, pretty flowers, whatever, whatever. Gets back on his boat and he leaves, okay? He doesn't try to colonize St. Augustine. That's a different conquistador. Because, by the way, Ponce de Leon was not a conquistador. He was a colonist, okay? We got to get that straight, too. So, he leaves. Comes back, though, within the year or two and comes around the western side of Florida into the panhandle and subsequently gets kind of pushed on into Tampa Bay. So in Tampa Bay, we have the Tocobaga Indians, which I have studied intensely and why I shared pictures with you and I have many, many more. But why this is significant is because in that time frame, Ponce de Leon, when he tried to come ashore, was viciously attacked by the Tocobaga Indians, and he was shot by poison arrows. And that eventually was his demise when he got back on his ship, injured, and then was taken down to uh, Cuba, and where he later died. So, we have... A few things going on here, all right? In that time frame, after that event, there were maps that were made that called Tampa Bay, Bay de Ponce, okay? Because this is where Ponce was shot. There's only a few of these maps in existence, and I have a copy of one of them, and I can share it with you after this video. 
and also I want to encourage people to, if you like what you hear and what we're talking about, please share it. If you have to share it in a message versus on a forum so that you don't get banished into outer space because people don't listen to you, <laughs> please do that. Because, you know, everybody needs to be able to understand the true history and the meanings behind why Byron listed these tribes in this very, 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 very fun special puzzle book. Okay? So, anyways, back to the story. So, we have, he leaves, right? And, uh, and subsequently dies of his injuries. And then you have uh, another crew of conquistadors coming along. And you have Aviles, right? Aviles. Menendez Aviles. And he comes and decides he's heard about Bay de Ponce. We know it's a pretty safe harbor to be able to get into deep enough with the ships and things like that so you know he makes his trek over there and he decides I'm going to try to see if these particular subset of indigenous folks and he called them Indians have some gold right because that's what conquistadors wanted they wanted gold that's the whole reason they ever came here to try to conquer anything and why they conquered Mexico and South America and all of that because they destroyed Incas and Mayans and took all of their gold and they said, but we need more. You know, our crown, our Spanish crown needs more gold uh, to sustain our economy uh, so that we can all become rich and famous and, um, and basically world domination, okay? So when he comes, he brings priests, and they meet, and he puts on a very nice formal front with the Tokubaga chief, and wants to try to see if he can work out a deal. You tell me where the gold is, and we can work out some sort of kind of agreement where, you know, you need to convert to Catholicism, and will not kill you. So, you know, the chief, at first, whenever he's trying to kind of understand and think about this, you know, here's this indigenous person who's never seen these Spanish galleons, these cannons, the weaponry, the uniforms, the just all of this could be mind-boggling. It would be as if we wouldn't, Probably, I mean, to try to put this in perspective of seeing something you've never, ever seen before and so utterly foreign, but like the first time we ever saw the iPhone, mesmerized, right? Oh my God, like I can talk to people on this and they're in Germany? What? Like, you know, I mean, it's that kind of awe-inspiring thing. So when Aviles comes up and tries to be kind the indigenous folks, the Tokobagas, they kind of buy into it. And so then the chief says, you know what, I think I like you. I, th I think you're nice. I think, I think we could try to work things out. I'm going to give you my sister, Rachel, who, by the way, that probably wasn't her real name. I need to look at the history books just to double check. Wasn't super attractive, but Avales was not going to say no because he wanted gold. So... And he didn't obviously tell him either that he was already married, but he took her anyway. And 
he says, we'll be back with more ships, with more horses, things like that. You know, they're, they're going to come back and make another, another go of it. Takes the chief's sister and then goes and dumps her off in Cuba. Now, when he does come back, he brings her along, and the chief says, oh, how was it? What's, you know, is he, you know, what's it like? And I'm paraphrasing here because I don't speak to McEwen. But he said, she says, oh, you know, he left me there. He left me there, and I didn't see him the whole year, the last two years, whatever. And that infuriated the chief, which then spawned a massive fallout. Now, mind you, this massive fallout happened after Avales got the Timucuans and the Calusas to quit fighting each other. It was actually considered the very first peace treaty that was ever brokered by indigenous people in what was North America. Okay, because the Calusas and the Timucuans did not mix, did not like each other. Calusa was in the southern portion of Florida. They've always been there. They were the shell tribe. Um, when Byron talks about in this lovely book about the shells and funny smells and things like that, that's a direct link to tribes that he is describing. And so when we're looking in the secret book, and if it says in the hint book, which some people disregard and some people don't, in the hymn book, it says <clears throat> at the beginning, you need to pay attention to the beginning of the book. It's the most important. And then the second half is just stories. Well, I believe they both have important parts. But if we're really focusing on what Byron said, and we're looking where he tells us to look, the Timucuan and the Calusa are on the west side of Florida. That's where they linked up, okay? Right around Tampa Bay, Port Charlotte, Fort Myers. So you have this whole vicinity there that's open for possible interpretation. Okay, now I'm going to ask you, get in your roller coaster. And you know how sometimes when you're on a roller coaster and it's going really, really fast, really, really fast, and it stops somewhere midway. This is where we put on the 1980s glasses, okay? In Tampa Bay, where the Sunshine Skyway links St. Petersburg down to Sarasota, there was a larger bridge that was there at that time. And in 1981, it was hit by a barge and the bridge collapsed and people died it was a massive, horrible event in what was American time, in that time. So, logistically, Byron, we know, we've talked about the gas crunch of 79. We know not everybody had uh, a bunch of gas and vehicles to drive around everywhere, and they were trying to really encourage us to use Amtrak. Um, so we know Byron may have taken an Amtrak train. Well, if you ask my opinion, he used the Amtrak train a lot. So Amtrak at that time would have a couple of stops, right? Comes down, stops in Jacksonville. By the way, 
I have managed to locate and in my possession have the entire route manual for the entire time of 1979 to 1999. And I can see those routes. So I know that logistically, if Byron's on a train and it's coming to Florida in 1980, 1981, because, you know, everybody on Quest for Treasure says, oh, all the paintings were done in 81 and this and that. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. He's on the train, stops in Jacksonville, has a couple more stops because it branches off. Okay? So stops in Jacksonville, comes into Clearwater St. Pete, but also goes down to Miami, okay? And there is a name for this train. There are actually two names for the, for the routes. There's the one that's for New Orleans, which was called the Crescent, ironically. Um, so he had to go by train, right? And then that's where it stopped. So he would, if, let's just say, if we're thinking about Fort Myers area, Move away from Tampa Bay. So if we're down in Fort Myers, though, we're only in Calusa territory. So we got to remember that, right? So he would have had to have driven a car all the way around where that bridge was out, where now the Sunshine Skyway is, in order to look in that area to plant a cask. So what are the possibilities that that was the case? We have to think about it. And so then if we plug in um, the actual weather, which I'm doing currently, um, in 1981, we have uh, August 7th through August 22nd, there was a hurricane named Dennis. And so Hurricane Dennis um, was caused a, a massive amount of flooding in Miami-Dade County, Florida in August of 1981. It was the uh, 10th tropical cyclone and fourth named storm of that season in 81. And so we have the possibility of thinking and by the way, it reached all the way up the Atlantic near, uh, went in through Cape Canaveral, um, and you can look this up, I'm sure, too, uh, cost about $28.5 million in 1981 U.S. dollars. So if we're looking at 81, you know, to now, that's probably double. So, you know, a pretty darn severe hurricane. So... If Byron is traveling in warm months to bury casks, and we know after we have a pretty significant hurricane, how things are demolished, torn up, all of that, and takes quite a while to repair. We have to consider that in the hunt. And people don't want to consider that in the hunt because the in some of these other groups, as I have noticed, they don't want you to tell them that. You got to stay right here. No, no, it's right here. It's right here. But if you're not paying attention to the optics, right, the optics of if Byron 
was traveling in springtime, sure, you know, maybe, maybe some of these places make sense. But if we're not looking at where storms have been, particularly major storms, it could have very easily deflected his ideas into putting the cask in a safer side of the bay. Safety Harbor itself uh, in Tampa Bay in Pinellas County uh, was considered a safe harbor. That's why it was called Safety Harbor. It very rarely ever sustain major problems from hurricanes and to this day has been pretty well preserved. Who knows now global warming and whatever the thoughts are on that I don't know but up until that point, it was always kind of considered the safer bet. I've lived in Florida, lived in Pinellas County for seven years. I'm very familiar with these parks, very familiar with the history. I know that the Philippe Park that is mentioned by the Tampa Bay couple um, that had the write-up in the Tampa Bay Times uh, recently that was also laughed out of the forums um, you know, that is, you know, Philippe Park is the oldest park in Pinellas County. And it was built in 1953, or roughly around that time. And it's unfortunate, I mean, I get where their article, they said Byron would not bury it there because it's sacred uh, burial ground. That's only true to a point. Safety Harbor, uh, Philippe Park, uh had one area of its burial mounds. Um, the the major mound was actually the chief mound. It was actually where the chief was, where he held meetings. It was like a meeting mound. Um, and it was not a burial mound. <laughs> and so where they did have the burial mounds, though, <clears throat> in around 1970-something-ish, they bulldozed those mounds and put the playground equipment. So, um, so much for preserving history, right? As what, again, I think Byron was really hinting at in this book in that um, this is why the fairies are disappearing, right? This is why these tribes are vanishing uh, because of man. So, you know, I could go on and on about the different possibilities for Pinellas County, for Port Charlotte, for Fort DeSoto, for all of that, right? My main question, and maybe yours too, when Byron was looking at these areas, you know, what time period map was he using? Because, you know, at one point in time, La Florida reached all the way up halfway into Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, over to Louisiana, to the main river. And so that puts the whole panhandle in play if we're really thinking about what La Florida was. But the one thing that I think we had to focus on if it's true if Byron's telling us you need to pay attention to the front of the book 
when he says Tim McEwen and Calusa, that is huge. Because Calusas were never North Florida indigenous tribes. So to me, when Byron says Tim McEwen and Calusa, he means when those conquistadors came in to that west side of Florida, because that's where the metal clashing landfall came, okay? When Avales showed up with horses and men and pigs and other farm creatures and thinking they would, you know, set up camp, that's when the clashing originally happened and that was back in like 1566. Like, it, and actually a few years before that. So when we're really, really looking at things, we have to consider all the history. And that was my point and probably why I got kicked out. <laughs> no, it is why I got kicked out uh, of the other leading group. Because I'm like you. The current facts don't make sense or they lack pieces of evidence. And I am not one to make an assumption on where things are. I have to have facts. I am a fact-driven person, probably from a legal background. And I'm sure Brian Zinn, same way. Because you have to pair the history, the facts, against what the book says. So, you know, I go into Pinellas County Historical Society and I'm printing up this giant, you know, kind of plethora of information um, and seeing what poem fits, you know. Um, I may not think the poem that's listed for what is termed Florida is actually the real poem. I mean, it... Like I've said before, Boston was considered Philadelphia before it was found in Boston. So there is room for error here. There is room for other theories. And if you follow the indigenous tribes, that probably is the key, right? Truly. Like, if the beginning of the book is telling me about these tribes and how they were made into almost like this fairy stereotype... And look at how they were pushed westward and westward and out of what was their land. Okay, that's the essential base of this book. And so to sit there and say right off the bat, oh, it's St. Augustine. That's the oldest Spanish settlement, blah, 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 blah. Well, let's look at history. Let's really look at that. Is it truly? Because Spanish California was settled way before Spanish Florida. And so, and, and subsequently, in California, you also had the English, okay, Drake, Sir, Sir Francis Drake came along. He said, boom, this place is New Albion. Went right into San Francisco Bay and claimed it for the English crown. But, oh, no, wait, a little bit north of there, the Russians had their first European settlement. So, if we go by this, you know, where I struggle to this day, as I'm sure you do, these theories of, well, 
gee, the Spanish was in, we're, we're in Florida first. And St. Augustine, just got to be St. Augustine. If I'm laying that assumption on the puzzle book, I am never going to find a cask. And guess what? Boston's painting was the Puritanical Witch, which was English. And had just a gem highlighting the Italian group of people that lived there and the name of the park it was in. So, why am I going to look at a Spanish painting and go to the Spanish gem and assume that's where it is? Based on what I've already seen in the other three paintings, which have made zero connection to each other. They've both been separate. So, I hope this helps you guys along. Hopes it makes you just think a little bit about what what the options really could be, you know? And more importantly, not get discouraged. Even if you have theories that you feel in your heart are right and you go to make that dig and there's nothing there, don't lose heart. Take that as an opportunity to go, okay, there's something else I'm missing. What is it? Because that's what's going to get us there. And it's going to take open conversations, open forums, where people are not chastised or belittled or called names um, because of that. So I'm excited to keep on this adventure. And I hope that you are too. And I'm going to break down the next poem that we can talk about, poem two. We can decipher it, understand its grammatical meanings. Um, we're going to throw in some fair folk. And this is going to be a good time and a fun time, right? There's enough chaos and meanness and bullying and craziness in this world. But here is your escape. So come along and ferry on. Bye, guys. <laughs>